chapter seven of molly's prince this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. molly's prince by rosa newchette carey chapter seven a humorist and an idealist the world was very guilty of such a ballad some three ages since but i think now tis not to be found love's labours lost a merrier man within the limits of becoming mirth i never spent an hour's talk withal act two while waveney was doing her very best to make a favourable impression on the misses harford an interview of a far different character was taking place at number ten cleveland terrace molly who was conscientious and strictly truthful having been taught from childhood to abhor the very widest of white lies was trying laboriously to carry out a certain programme drawn up by waveney she was not to cry or to think of anything disagreeable and she was only to look at the clock twice in an hour and there was no need for her either to be always standing on the balcony and straining her eyes after every passer-by it was sheer waste of time and it would be far better to finish one of her pretty menu-cards and molly who was docile and tractable had agreed to this it shall have a spray of golden-brown chrysanthemums she said quite cheerfully and then waveney left the house she arranged her painting-table and selected the flowers from corporal mark's nosegay but alas the best-laid schemes of mice and men gang after glay scarcely had molly wetted her brush before anne the heavy-footed came up with an inflamed face and red eyes the pain was horrible as she expressed it and was not to be borne would miss molly spare her for half an hour and she would get mr granger's young man to pull the tooth out oh yes anne certainly returned molly who was tender-hearted but when anne had withdrawn with a snorting sob she mused with some perplexity over all the ills to which maids of all work were liable anne had looked so strong when they had engaged her and yet she was always complaining of something she was addicted to heavy colds in her head and to a swollen face sometimes diversified by an earache she was a good-tempered willing creature but her infirmities were great and more than once waveney had advised molly to send her away but she is so honest molly would plead and she is so devoted to mrs muggins and so anne had been suffered to remain noel took her off to the life he would tie up his face with a whistle of flannel and sit hugging the cat for ten minutes at a time was it a poor dee leddy then and did she want the poor little chickabiddies anne would choke with suppressed laughter when she came in to lay the table ain't it natural miss molly and it is just what i did say to mrs muggins molly was studying the chrysanthemum pensively when annie put her head in again the fire must not get low miss molly because of the cake then molly jumped up in dismay 
anne was going out and leaving that precious cake noel's birthday cake and it was such a nice one she had made it herself and it had beautiful pink and white icing on the top that her cake should be spoilt was a thought not to be endured for a moment she knew what anne's fires were black smoky concerns as molly rushed into the kitchen the front door bell rang and anne with her hat on admitted a visitor a gentleman miss molly and i have shown him up in the studio but molly whose face was in the oven did not hear this her whole attention was absorbed by her cake menu cards were forgotten she stirred the fire put on coals and then sat down on the rug to watch the oven meanwhile the visitor walked briskly into the studio he was a small dark man and his dress was somewhat bohemian he had a brown velveteen coat and a yellow rose in his buttonhole and he had bright clear eyes that saw everything worth seeing and a good deal that ordinary folk failed to see not that people always found this out he had plenty of time for observation and when he had grown a little weary of his solitude he made a tour of the room he stood for some time by molly's painting-table the menu cards struck him as very pretty and graceful in their design my good little samaritan is artistic i see he said to himself but there was no need for her to put on her best frock because a stranger called but vanity and women are synonymous terms and after this atrocious sentiment which all women would utterly repudiate he looked curiously at a framed picture standing on the floor canute and his courtiers yes i see rather stale that sort of thing canute decidedly wooden ambitious but amateurish wants force and expression and then he shook his head hello what have we here and he stepped up to the easel it was a roughly executed sketch in crayon and was evidently a boy's work but in spite of considerable crudeness it was not without spirit a young lady was stepping down from an omnibus and a queer little man in a peaked hat and a huge moustache was handing her out he was grinning from ear to ear and in his other hand was a sixpence your eternally obliged monsieur blackie was written under the picture the visitor seemed puzzled then a light dawned finally he threw back his head and laughed aloud we have a humorist here he said to himself and to restore his gravity he began walking up and down the room but every time he passed the easel he laughed again this is clearly not my little samaritan he said to himself he had brought in a beautiful bouquet and had laid it down on the round table every few minutes he took it up and looked at the door the household was certainly a peculiar one an extraordinary young female with her face tied up in flannel had shown him upstairs after telling him that miss ward was in he had been waiting nearly twenty minutes should he ring the bell but there was no bell not a semblance of one then he thought he would leave the flowers and the sixpence with his card yes perhaps that would be best and then he hesitated it was very absurd but he rather wanted to see the little girl again there was something so bright and piquant about her perhaps she was keeping out of the way on purpose perhaps monsieur blackie and here he laughed afresh was not to her taste no sooner did this idea come into his head than with man-like perversity he determined to persevere 
he walked downstairs and into the dining-room here fresh amusement awaited him in the inscription noel ward his study my friend the humorist again he said softly and then he pricked up his ears for in some back premises he could distinctly hear a very clear sweet girlish voice he stole into the passage to listen and this is what he heard here's to the maiden of bashful fifteen here's to the widow of fifty here's to the flaunting extravagant queen and here's to the housewife that's thrifty let the toast pass drink to the lass i'll warrant she prove an excuse for the glass school for scandal muttered the stranger a very good song and very well sung i should like to clap let me see this is what they used to do in the arabian nights entertainment clap hands enter beautiful circassian slave with a golden dish full of jewelled fruits i will knock instead at the mysterious portal oh is that you anne exclaimed a voice cheerfully however did you get in fetch me some coals please and oh i forgot your poor tooth was it very bad pardon me observed the young man hurriedly then at the strange voice molly turned round once many years ago in a foreign gallery ingram had stood for a long time before a little picture that had captivated his fancy it was the work of an english artist and a very promising one and was entitled cinderella a little workhouse drudge was sitting on a stool in the chimney-corner of a dark underground kitchen a black cindery fire was casting a dull glow a thin tabby cat was trying to warm itself the torn draggled frock and griming hands of the little maid of all work were admirably rendered but under the tangled locks a pair of innocent child's eyes looked wistfully out a story-book with the page opened at cinderella lay on the lap ingram thought of this picture as molly turned her head and looked at him and man of the world as he was for the moment words failed him he was standing in a dull little kitchen a mere slip of a place looking out on a long straggling garden very narrow and chiefly remarkable for gooseberry and currant bushes and sitting on the rug in front of the fire like a blissful salamander was a girl with the most beautiful face that he had ever seen then poor molly blushing like a whole garden full of roses in her embarrassment scrambled awkwardly to her feet oh dear i thought it was our anne will you tell me your name please father is out and we do not expect him home until eight my business was with your sister returned ingram regaining his self-possession as he saw the girl's nervousness your servant let me in exactly five-and-twenty minutes ago and as i thought the household was asleep i was endeavouring to discover a bell and then i heard singing let the toast pass drink to the lass awfully good song that oh dear faltered molly she would have liked to sink through the floor at that moment to avoid that bright quizzical glance that was father's song not mine oh i know now who you are you are the gentleman whose pocket was picked yesterday
exactly monsieur blackie at your service and then molly turned cold with dismay and had let him in and he had been in the studio and noel's absurd sketch was on the easel he had recognized himself and molly's confusion and misery were so great that in another minute she would have disgraced herself for ever by bursting into tears only ingram fearing he had taken too great a liberty hastened to explain matters you see miss ward i was anxious to pay my debts and thank your sister if i remember rightly i told her that i should call oh yes at least waveney was not sure that you would and she had to go out i should like to have seen her perhaps another time you will allow me ingram reddened and hesitated she may not be long she has gone to berkeley square on business ah as the bell rang that is anne so please will you go upstairs molly was not quite equal to the situation she wanted to get rid of monsieur blackie but he did not seem inclined to go and ingram took a mean advantage of her inexperience i have left my hat upstairs he said hypocritically and there are some flowers which i brought for your sister and i think they ought to be put in water this appealed at once to molly oh certainly she said and as she limped down the passage before him a pained look came in ingram's eyes oh what a grievous pity he thought that lovely face to be allied with such a cruel infirmity oh what flowers exclaimed molly burying her face in them and then she glanced at the card shyly moritz ingram what a nice name yes he was rather nice too in spite of his droll looks she liked his voice but all the same if he would only go he ought to go and ingram evidently shared this opinion for he was hunting sedulously for his hat and as his efforts were unavailing molly was obliged to go to his help i brought it upstairs he kept saying manners make ye man and i was always remarkable for my good manners why even your sister took me for a frenchman and at this molly broke into a merry laugh and ingram's eyes twinkled sympathetically the next minute the door-bell rang again and molly who had just discovered the hat underneath the sofa though how it got there no one knew was just going to dart to the door when a cracked voice called out cat's meat and the faint mewing of mrs muggins was clearly audible in the distance and then noel strolled in he looked at ingram in unfeigned amazement then being an acute lad he grinned noel this is mr ingram the gentleman waveney saw in the omnibus yesterday i recognise myself returned ingram with an airy wave of the hand towards the picture though perhaps it is not a speaking likeness a sort of cross between mephistopheles and daniel quilp with perhaps a soupçon of the artful dodger i prefer to sit for my own portrait don't you know then noel grinned again rather sheepishly for once he was reaping the just reward of his impudence you are humorous my young friend continued ingram blandly i am an idealist all my life and i am exactly thirty-seven i have been seeking the impossible she that does not mean interrupting himself as though he feared to be misunderstood 
any individual woman oh dear no originality is my favourite fetish mollie looked bewildered but she was rather impressed by this fine flow of words but noel's eyes brightened was this not a man and a brother women don't understand that sort of thing he observed confidentially they never laugh at the right jokes unless you label them and here noel threw up his head and cocked his chin that is why i have taken to drawing a picture pleases the poor things and the funnier you make it the more they like it indeed remarked ingram mildly and then he looked at the handsome lad with unfeigned approval it is for your sister's benefit that you do these clever sketches i am an artist myself an embryo artist i ought to say for i have never sold a picture but i recognize a brother in the art then noel who detected irony in the smooth voice looked a little sulky it is not clever a bit he growled it is beastly rot i did it to get a rise out of waveney waveney is the other one you know did you say waveney i never recollect hearing the name before no it is a queer sort of name father had a great aunt waveney when i want something short and handy don't you know i call her storm and stress upon my word miss ward your brother is perfectly dangerous if i stay here any longer i shall take the infection i told you my special and particular fetish was originality i seem to have met it here thank you as mollie meekly handed him his hat i have trespassed on your kind hospitality far too long already with your kind permission i will call again in the hope of seeing your sister what could i say asked mollie anxiously when she related the account of the afternoon the sisters were safely shut up in their own room a large front room over the studio mr ward slept in the little room behind i could not say no please do not come i am sure waveney does not want to see you why no of course not you did quite right mollie dear did not dad say he showed his gratitude in a very gentlemanly way and as for noel he has been talking about him all the evening yes noel took a fancy to him and wave i do think he must be nice he says droll things in a soft sleepy sort of voice and i am afraid i was rather stupid and did not always understand but his eyes looked kind and gentle i was not afraid of him after the first few minutes poor little moll well it was rather embarrassing to have to interview a live stranger all alone and in the kitchen too for molly had drawn a highly coloured and graphic description of her first meeting with monsieur blackie waveney had laughed mercilessly at first molly ward enacting the part of cinderella or cinder maiden enter the black prince with the glass slipper molly dear i grieve to say it but your feet are not as pretty as mine and waveney who was excited with her eventful day kicked off her shoes and began dancing in the moonlight her tiny feet scarcely touching the floor and behold the spirit of mischief was in her for as molly sat on the bed and watched her with admiring eyes she suddenly broke into a song and this is what she sang here's to the maiden of bashful fifteen here's to the widow of fifty here's to the flaunting extravagant queen and here's to the housewife that's thrifty let the toast pass drink to the lass i'll warrant she'll prove an excuse for the glass End of chapter seven